Well, good morning. I'm going to take just a moment for one announcement before Pastor Brian comes up. And so my name is Pastor Eric Norris. I'm the, disciple, the pastor of Discipleship and Connection. And so our fall groups are beginning September the 12th. So circle your calendar, and I want to issue you a challenge. And that is if you are not connected to a life group or you come to Sunday morning to a life group, make a commitment this semester to let that get started. Um, because that's how we grow. That's how we encourage each other. And so I wanted just to point out on your connection card, there's a QR code that uh, it says at the top, scan this QR code for digital link to our Sunday life groups. Now, this week, you're gonna, when you scan that, you're going to see the Sunday life groups, will, which will start the 12th, and it's an awesome lineup. So um, some of those include a class on creation, a class on revelation, a New Testament survey, a women's Bible study, Imagine Heaven, and there's one more. Scan that code and you'll find out what it is. So there's the, there's the link. Um, but it's just some awesome classes on Sunday. And then next week, you'll, when you scan that, you'll see all of the life groups. And so if you're not connected, find one. If you have questions, feel free to come and ask me. Um, I think uh, the, the only thing missing, you've seen this before, is you. And so uh, we would encourage you, September 12th is a starting day to get connected to a life group. Um, we'll start and uh, we'll celebrate when 100% of us are active, right? So, Pastor Brian, it's all yours. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Westview Community Church. I see a lot of new faces, and it's this time of year where there's so many people coming into the community and so many things happening. As you can see, I'm not going to go over all those again, but we're glad you're all here. Uh, I've already done this once this morning. I'm really excited to do it again because it's just so fun in community and so good. And so to our guests, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. We're glad you're with us today. To our guests, just this uh, worship guide that Lene and, and Eric talked about on the back are these sermon notes. We're going to jump into this God's Word together. We're going to look at this uh, issue of repentance together and so you can fill in those blanks and come along and kind of gives you an outline of how to go back and reflect look on those scriptures during the week and so if you would jump into that we'd like to welcome our online people too i gotta get used to the camera moved and so our online people we're glad you're hanging out with us today also uh, you will find the same information on our website and if you're on facebook live all the prayer requests connect cards sermon notes are right there on a link too but we're super glad you're with us today also I did this last week. I think it's really important I do it today. I know we just prayed, but would you, would you stop with me just a moment and close our eyes together and let's ask God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit to look at what we're gonna share today. So Heavenly Father, through your spirit, can we just shake uh, the worship even just a little bit right now? Everything going on, kids, whatever, as we approach your word and look at what you wanna speak to all of us today. Today's message is a deep dive. It's a deep dive about change. And so, Father, I just, I want to pray this really brave prayer for all of us, and that is that, Holy Spirit, we're going to give you our heart right now, and we're going to let you shape it. And that's a hard thing to do, but we know it's always good. So, Father, through your Spirit, speak to us in your word. Speak to us what we need to deal with today. Don't give us what we want to hear, but give us what we need. We pray all this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. 
So as you know, recently we finished the Ten Commandments series and we, we really hung into the Ten Commandments are not about limits, they're about freedom. And when we don't understand the way God designed things in His law and we go our own way, we end up in slavery. And so we talked for ten weeks about they're not don'ts, they're do's. How do we live in freedom in the Ten Commandments? But what we did not address is if I'm not living in freedom. And so we talked about what if I'm in this sin-confessed cycle? There's like this 10th commandment, the 7th commandment, whatever one it is that I'm stuck. I just can't break this sin-confessed cycle. I know it's wrong. I do it. I confess. I go back and do it. How do, we, how do we break that cycle so I can really have the freedom we've talked about? And the other area is what if I have a sin? What if I broke one of those commandments and it's so big? It's so big I can't move beyond it. Years later, I still can't move beyond it. And we said, so we have the answer to this. And so we're following up a series after the Ten Commandments with this series called Repentance. Stop, drop, and roll. And last week we said there's one word that can help us really experience the victory we've been singing about, really experience the freedom, and that word is repentance. But a lot of us have a misconception about what repentance is. So last week, if you missed last week, we just talked about what does the word repentance mean? And so if you missed that, go back. It's right on our YouTube channel. It's on our website. You can watch that. But here's the summary of last week. Repentance is changing one's mind. At the heart of the Greek word is changing one's mind to hate sin and love Jesus. At the heart of repentance is learning to hate sin that destroys my relationship with him and with others and to love him. But when we love sin, we end up hating everything else, including our very creator and savior. So we were there last week, and so we said, that's what repentance is, but we left you with this, we left you completely hanging. We said, so how are we gonna do repentance? So we said, well, that's our series title, Stop, Drop, and Roll. Moving from a life in sin and flames to a life on fire in the Holy Spirit. So we are starting today to actually talk about how do we repent? And it starts with stop. It starts with stop. How do we come to a complete stop in our old sinful ways? So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 32. It's there in the Old Testament. Psalm 32, and we're going to start about verse 2. And while you're turning there, this psalm is written by King David. It is a great expression of what stop means in repentance. This whole, this whole psalm is about stop. You're seeing the anguished heart of David right in front of us as he's trying to stop. And we're going to see four elements, four elements of what stopping is. What does it take to really stop and head for that victory, head for that freedom? So King David, just for a little bit of background, for those maybe you aren't familiar with him, probably the greatest biblical character that we've ever seen outside of Jesus. King David, it talks about the heart of King David. If there's anybody I admire more in the Bible who has a heart for God, it's King David. And King David is given one of those early roles as a king of all Israel that all the world would know God through this nation of Israel. And King David is leading. And King David does amazing things. God blesses him. But when we see him go to Psalm 32, we're seeing the result of one of David's biggest failures. What I love about David is I love his heart for God, but I also know that he's a complete mess multiple times in the Bible. But this one's really bad. And so the backstory here before we get to Psalm 32 is I want to actually take you to 2 Samuel chapter 11. The darkest moment of King David's life started on a warm spring day. 
Second Samuel chapter 11, it says, Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And for those of us who are familiar with this story, Dave's, David's eyes, King David's eyes lingered a little too long. And next thing you know, he abuses his power, his status as king. He sends a servant over. The woman's name is Bathsheba. He draws her into the palace. He sleeps with her. It's not his wife. And David's not her husband. And Bathsheba becomes pregnant. David, in all his status, in all his power, he does everything he can not to repent, but to hide. He first tries to get Uriah, her, her husband, to sleep with her so he can hide it. And he won't do that. He's a, he's a warrior for David and his army. And Uriah won't do that. And so then he does, in desperation, he does the worst thing is he, he sends out his troops to battle. He puts Uriah in the front and they retreat and leave him out alone and they kill Uriah and he has him set up. So desperate was David in his hiding. And David may have got away with it if it wasn't for God who sees everything, spoke through his prophet Nathan, and Nathan confronted David on this huge sin and said, God's seen everything. And then as we read through more of, 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 this, of this book, we see that David's consequence of his sin, he ends up, take, he ends up taking a life of his son, his household rebels against him, his kingship, his struggles. It never was the same from that point. He has a lifetime of consequence for this Sin. And at the lowest point in his life, when David's world just crashes, he begins the first step of repenting. He stops. And ladies and gentlemen, he writes Psalm 32. It's all about stopping. And we're going to see four things in here that show us the evidence that I am truly starting to repent and my life is coming to a stop from my old ways. And as you go look this week, if you write down Psalm 38, it's also repentance. It's also David talking about the depth and sorrow. And we go to Psalm 51, which we'll probably go into later. We'll see even more as David moves to repentance. But Psalm 32 is just about stop. He's at his worst point and life crumbles. And Psalm 32 shows us how to stop. So start here. Psalm 32, starting in verse 2. These are David's very words, his heart in anguish poured right on paper. It says, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord is cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, I confessed all my sins to you. And I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. 
Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you, Lord, are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. And the Lord says, David, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. And I will advise you and watch over you. And do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Psalm 32 is all about stop. The first part of repentance. Four things in here. Let's go discover them together. Four things as we kind of glean back to the scripture. It's your first sermon note together. True repentance. True repentance requires us to first stop and first point, be honest that we've been hiding in sin. True repentance requires us to stop and first be honest that we've been hiding. David wrote, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord is cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. That word honesty is so important here. David discovered he hadn't been honest. He'd been hiding from everything. David not only was trying to hide from his sin, which he no longer could hide from, he's hiding from God, he was hiding from others. David isolated himself. He avoided God. He avoided others. Most of us here have been through a repetitive sin or a big sin and know what it's like to hide, don't we? We know that when we're going through a dark time because of some choice that we made that was not good, the first thing I want to do is I do not want to look at you and my community of faith. And I do not want to look at God. My prayer life falls apart. I skip Sundays. I skip small group because I don't want to look upon the face. And I want to hide in my guilt. And David's doing this. We all know this. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, the enemy's number one plan when we're, is he loves to tempt us. He loves to say, just do it. Did God really say his favorite question? And we do it. And then he says, see? And he heaps on the shame. And he drives the guilt. And he encourages us to hide. The enemy's favorite place for all of us who love God is to separate us from the community of God and separate us from God himself. If he can just isolate us in shame, he has a heyday at that place because now he's got us. There's a story here that I came across uh, written by a Christian writer. He talks about his two-and-a-half-year-old, I think some of us will get this too, his two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, Larissa, he said was enjoying water with, his, with her nana in the backyard, the grandma. So grandma gave her a hose and said, hey, let's water the purple flowers. And so Larissa went over and was watering the purple flowers. But then Larissa, like any two-and-a-half-year-old, uh, eventually liked, well, look at this big place of dirt. And so she started watering the dirt and watered dirt becomes mud and then mud starts to get everywhere and Nana said hey hey Larissa she goes let's just water the flowers because if you water the, the dirt it will become mud and it's going to make everything messy what did Larissa do? she kept watering the dirt the next thing it made mud and the next thing Larissa took a bunch of that mud and went over to this nice big tub of clean water and just dropped blop, 
big in. She goes, wow, it looks like creamy chocolate. And eventually it was all over herself. And Nana stops her and says, hey. So Nana cleans everything up, puts in clean water and says, Larissa, let's just water the flowers. And Nana sits back down looking at her. Nana's trying to act like she's reading a book. What does Larissa do? She goes back to watering the dirt. But what does Larissa say? Larissa, in her little sweet voice, as she started to water the dirt place, she said, don't look at me, Nana, okay? <laughs> so Nana agreed. She, she, she looked down at her reading, but she's watching her, and, and Larissa started making more and more mud, put it back in the tub. Three times, three times, Larissa, in the midst of her work, said, don't look at me, Nana, okay? The tender soul of a little child shows us how necessary it is to us that we be unobserved in our wrong. We do this. God, don't look at me while I'm doing this. The adult soul carries that same burden, but now so great as to be crushed by it. The scripture jumps out to us we cry out to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. How many of us have been there? The sweet little soul tells it like it is. God, don't look at me while I do this. The first part of stop is don't let our sin isolate us from God and others. Stop hiding in our sin. Be honest with God and ourselves. David says, be honest. Stop hiding it. Which brings up the next point, the next evidence we see of true repentance when we stop. Not only do we honest about hiding in sin, but we acknowledge the pain and suffering our sin has caused. This one's hard. David said in verse three, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline, God was on me. It's God's hand of discipline was on him just out of guilt. The Spirit convicting him. If you jump over this week, go to Psalm 38, where he says this, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over, I'm racked with pain all day long. I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. We'll know this one. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. I think many of us have been in this place, or we will be in this place, where we've felt like this moody, down, isolated, depressed, anxious, all because of a guilty conscience. It's amazing where our guilty conscience will take us. And the depths of darkness will allow it to lead us. But David says, no, acknowledge this. I did it. This is what I caused. This is a terrible toll. Convicted by the Spirit that I'm not living the way God wants me to live and I'm suffering, we must assess the consequence of our sin and put it out there. The impact it has on us, the impact it has on those we love, and most importantly, the impact it has on our relationship with God through Christ in the Spirit. third evidence of stop is at that point when we, when we have 
been honest about hiding and we acknowledge how much damage we've done is this one's important. Confess completely and now hide in God. David says in verse five, he says, finally, finally, after hiding, no one to hide anymore, finally, after admitting all the damage I've done, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. The third evidence of stopping is releasing the guilt and pain through confession. Confess all. Let's talk about a complete stop. That's kind of the subtitle of this one. A complete stop means a full confession. He says, I confessed all. God knows everything we've done. We might be able to hide it from our brothers and sisters here, but we cannot hide it from him. Confess all of it. Confess, and David says he will listen. And David says, and you forgave me. Look at the depth of David's sin. And he says, and you forgave me when I confessed all. He says, all my guilt is gone. Gone. Forgiveness is not true unless it's removed of the guilt. He takes away the penalty. He removes the guilt. God promises to forgive. He promises to erase our guilt. He promises through Christ to remove the penalty. Carl Menninger might ring a name to you. World-renowned psychiatrist who started Menninger Clinic in Topeka. Not a Christian that I know of. A famous quote, if I could convince my patients that they were truly forgiven, 75% of them would never see me again. David says, I'm not going to hide anymore. Acknowledge what I did, and I'm going to confess, and then I'm going to hide in you. I'm going to go from hiding from you, David says, to for you are now my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory like we just sang. Change our hiding place. David invites us when we're stopping to go from hiding from God to hiding in God. It's the safest place to be. Now we look at these three points. There's another one, but I'm gonna hold it for a little bit. Keep you in tension. Keep myself in tension, because I really wanna share it. Your next sermon note. This whole thing summarizes. To repentance starts with a sorrowful heart. This is big. If we want to stop, if I want to break the cycle, it's going to start with a sorrowful heart. Everything David's talked about is a sorrowful heart. Now the scripture reference there is, is, is from the early church leader Paul. He wrote a letter called to the Corinthian church when the Corinthian church, young Christian church was really struggling. Their biggest problem they were having is not only the sin and not, not repentance, they were really seeing dissension within the church. And so Paul writes a letter, it's called 1 Corinthians and he gets on them pretty hard about look at what you're doing with your unrepentant sin. And then Paul writes another letter later. We call it 2 Corinthians. And this is your scripture reference there. And this is what Paul says as he follows up to that blazing first letter about being unrepentant in sin. 2 Corinthians 7, Paul says, starting in verse 8, it says, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I'm glad I sent it. 
Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you're not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrowful heart that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and it results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of a sorrowful heart. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. When we stop in the first part of repentance, it's a sorrowful heart, but Paul shapes, he goes, guys, there's two kinds of sorrowful hearts. I want you to be aware of this. One is a worldly sorrowful heart, and one is a godly sorrowful heart. Let me show you the difference. We've got a couple of definitions here for you. What is worldly sorrow? Worldly sorrow, which Paul warns us against, means I'm sorry I got caught, and I'm sorry for the mess I created. Worldly sorrow lacks true repentance. It's upset for what I did, but it never really, because it's not true repentance, it normally I will go back and do it. Worldly sorrow is focused on myself. Worldly sorrow is I'm sorry I did it. Sorry for what it caused. But it kind of stops there. Paul says that kind of sorrow leads to spiritual death. What it means is a really unchanged heart continues to keep us hiding from God. And whenever we're separated from God, that is spiritual death. But he said godly sorrow, godly grief. Maybe when we say good grief, this is it right here. Godly sorrow means I'm sorry, God, I offended you. I hurt you in our relationship. I'm sorry I pierced you with my sin. Godly sorrow is a truly convicted heart. It's not about me. It's focused on my relationship with God. Godly sorrow is a sign of true repentance that will lead us away from sin, Paul says, and bring us spiritual life, and there will never be regret. Listen to that. There will never be regret for that kind of sorrow. Never regret. I've regretted sorrow that's been about me. This sorrow you'll never regret. It's focused on God. I'm sorry I offended you. I'm sorry I hurt my relationship with you. I'm sorry that my sin drove nails in your son's hands on the cross, which paid for the price for my sin. So it's really important that we look at the status of our heart. Really, true repentance and stopping starts with this, not up here. It starts with this, a godly, sorrowful heart. But I want to caution us, just like Paul did. Look at our next sermon note. Sermon note number three. Changed outward behavior is not always a sign of changed heart. For example, some people believe sorrow alone. If I'm just sorry for what I did, that's true repentance. That is the start. But just being sorry does does not get us all the way through. Let me give you another sign of of changed outward behavior that really isn't a changed heart, what we call self-preservation. How many of us have said this? I have. God, if you just get me through this, I will change. Self-preservation, bargaining with God, that's not repentance. It's conditional. Self-preservation, yeah, if you just get me through this, I'll change. Another one I want to be cautious of, many of us, including myself, come out of a tradition where we have penance. Penance is where I confess my sin and then I restore myself through penitential prayer, penance prayers. 
if I go and pray this many times or do this many things or do this good work and follow up, that is repentance. Penance is not repentance. I can't earn my repentance. It's a grace gift from God alone. Not that prayer isn't bad and not maybe some of those rituals aren't bad, but that is not what saves us and that's not what makes repentance work. Repentance works when I change this and I trust God who's the only one who can pull me out. And the last one is, is, is a changed outward behavior that's not always changed hard is people actually do change their behavior. They actually reform. They actually go out and live differently, but they never change here. Many people have changed their style because they're upset at what they did and things like that, but their heart never changed because they never had sorrow for what it did between them and God. So you can see changed behavior that never really is repentance. And I'm crushed in my relationship with God here. That's where I start in stopping. And let me talk to one other thing that I think a lot of us hang up on when we look at big sin or continual sin. It's your fourth sermon note. Repentance includes trusting God with our consequences. Our sin always has some kind of consequence. You know, sometimes... God's mercy is so good that we do something bad and we come through it in pretty good shape. And so we think, well, I can probably do that again. But a lot of times repentance is hard for us because the consequences are so big afterwards. And sometimes consequences are lifelong. When you look at issues like divorce, you have things that go wrong in our relationships and you have a lifetime of things popping up. So sometimes we struggle with repentance because we're afraid of the consequences. There's a word that describes consequences to me. I like the word scars. We all have scars. And I'm not talking about this scar from my bicycle accident when I was like nine. I'm talking about these spiritual soul scars that they're there all the time. They remind me of what I've been through and what I've done. The purpose of scars are not to cause us heartache or they're not designed to be a daily reminder of our past sin, but they should remind us how much grace and mercy God has poured out on us. Ladies and gentlemen, I know we all have scars. For our little ones here, one day you'll have scars. God loves to work through us despite our past. Our scars can be very effective in ministering to others who are stuck in the same sin or going through the same thing. A lot of times when I'm counseling and they come in to talk to the pastor and I share my past with them, and they're like, you're a pastor? Well, if you got through that, that's the hope we have. And I got King David who cheers me up every day, who got his life back in order. Let me put a quote up here from Charles Stanley. I love this one. He's a pastor. He says, we can view our scars as monuments to God's grace or as ongoing punishment. I encourage you to see them as proof of your spiritual healing. Our scars are how God's healed us. They might remind us things. There's going to be an enemy all along your life that's going to push those buttons saying, hey, look at that scar. Remember that? And I'm going to say, yeah, look at what God did. Not proud of that moment, but I'll let him use it to change other people's lives and show how he healed me. 
So I, I, when I talked about in Psalm 32, there's four evidences. I shared three. Hiding, acknowledging. What was my other one? And confessing. Sorry, should have just popped right up. There's a fourth one, a fourth evidence in Psalm 32 that's really important that David added this in. This is him stopping. So, so let's put that list up, Aiden. Let's, let's go back over that list. Here's the three points. So yeah, we, we, true repentance requires us to stop. This is stop. We're talking about stop. Be honest. We're hiding. Acknowledge the pain. Confess. Then David adds verse 1 and 10 in. The fourth point, be surrounded by love through forgiveness. There's beauty in this psalm. The last evidence of stopping and beginning our journey of repentance is when we're hidden in God, not hidden in our sin, but we're now hiding in Him. We've confessed is He will pour out His love on us. Let's go to Psalm 32, 10, 11, and 1. I took the bookends out of the psalm until now. David said this in 10. He said, Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are now pure because of that forgiveness. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. David's crushed because of his sin and he, all he talks about is the joy in forgiveness. It's only God's love that can rescue those who are hiding. It's only God's love who can surround the empty and the guilty and remove that guilt from our sorrowful hearts through the blood of the cross and through forgiveness. It is only the love of God who can fill the heart with a song of victory when we're at our worst time. Offering is. They say in, in offering, there's always an, in every sermon and every offering, there's an altar call. It's a time where we give to God back and all His goodness. And I want to go to offering together, but in a very special way today. For our guests today, just a couple things. If you'd fill out that little connect card on there and just let us know so we can reach out to you, answer questions about church, help you on your journey, you can drop those in the boxes here by the doors or go out to our Welcome Center. For your financial gifts to keep the fuel of this church going as we reach around the world in here with the good news, drop those financial gifts off. Please only do it in joy. Only give out of a heart of abundance as God gives us. But here's the offering we really want to give today is that we stop. I know you should write these things. I know the heart of not wanting to stop. I know I, know I want to fix this on my own, but I can't. I've done that so many times. 
I don't want one soul to leave this room today without stopping. Stop. Your best offering today could be to quit hiding so God can pour that love out so you can confess. And we're here today that nobody leave with that burden. Nobody leave with those first few verses of David's crushed soul. That everybody walks out of here free and forgiven so we can go to that next step of how I turn to him. By no pride's going to try and keep us in our seat or embarrassment or shame and that is not of God because we can't do it on our own we only can do it through God's power but ladies and gentlemen he gives us a community like this to pray with us to hold us up to walk with us and not let us hide so during this offering we're going to go into a beautiful song of worship there's people going to be on these front rows I'm going to give you a couple invitations that if you're ready to stop today. Please don't walk out of here without this. Come up, hang out here. We'll join you. Sit by one of us in the front row and let us come alongside you. Let God grab on and let us be there with you. You won't believe how freeing. You should have seen first service. And maybe, honestly, you've got this. Like, you're not really struggling in a repentance issue, but you've got somebody you love who really is, who's not repentant, who's really lost, who's really broken, who's really hiding. Would you come up? Can we pray with you that God's light will shine through you? You don't have to give names or even details, or you can. Everything's in confidence. We want to pray with you to strengthen you to go in there and be the light in the darkness where people are hiding. I think this hits all of us, but we don't want to go to drop until we stop. We'll stop today. Come up and let us pray with you.